This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Whether you want more adventure, more electric, more action, more guts, or more turbocharged excitement, Nissan is here to make sure you get it. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey, everybody. There's some swearing in this episode. So if you're hanging out with kids, driving in the car or something, maybe listen to this one later. Or if you curse around your kids all the time, just let it rip. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Sufi. How are you? I'm a little tired. I'm not going to lie. You are aware of my middle son, Axel. Yeah. No, I know him. Your nephew. Yeah. Axel has been waking up a lot in the middle of the night. Uh Uh-huh. And he woke up at five in the morning, and I had to go into his room and lie down with him because he had a question for me. And you know what the question was? What's that? Why were Jack and Rose the last two to get off the Titanic? <laughs> now, here's the thing. You uh, know uh, my, my lovely bride, Alexi. Yeah. We are, we are raising our kids uh, with very limited access to screens. They don't watch a ton of stuff. Right. And when I show them Disney movies of our youth that I think they'll love, Robin Hood, Jungle Book, yeah. The Rescuers, stuff like that, I feel like she looks at me sideways because those movies are bad, just have, you know, just bad influence on kids. I don't quite know why, but I just think yeah. she doesn't also, want to Also, I've been it. with you when we've watched one of those, and we only watched like half. We, you said like, we're going to watch four songs and that's it, and then you finished up the other half later. Yeah, half a movie at a time. That's We're trying to introduce cinema to them in a way that's deeply unsatisfying. Yeah. But here's the thing. The kids are obsessed. I don't think they're alone. They're obsessed with the Titanic. Yeah. And so unilaterally, Alexi decided to show them scenes from the movie Titanic. (laughs) Now, there is nothing in the Disney Robin Hood that is as scary or as haunting as any frame of the film Titanic. Yeah. I mean, well, early frames probably aren't as terrifying. But as soon as it starts going bad, it's going bad. There's a scene in the film... I had forgotten this, where a mom basically resolved to her fate, just puts the kids to bed and basically like doesn't let the kids know you're about to, you know, drown and perish. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That my kids had to watch that. (laughs) And and Axel woke up in the middle of the night, woke up in the middle of the night and had questions about Jack and Rose. And I didn't show him Titanic. Doesn't feel like I should be the one lying in a lower bunk at five in the morning trying to get my kid back to sleep after his <laughs> iceberg-induced trauma. It's just, it. I'm just getting a raw deal, is what yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. I saw Titanic in a theater with mom, and we snuck in I was years. with you. you. I was were? with you. Yeah, it was a, it was a Christmas ba- break. And the Bedford Mall? And we were Mall? back home. Yeah, in the Bedford Mall. Yeah. Although I don't, I feel like no one gave me a beer, but it wow. does... Uh, <laughs> We only had we only had uh, four, and we needed only two had each because that was a long one. It wasn't a long one. It does explain. I remember at the end of it, you guys were pretty. You were screaming at the screen. You were definitely pretty drunk by the end. <laughs> I don't know if I was drunk. You were. Remember, you were like, "Go down, you fucking unsinkable ship." <laughs> I was rooting rooting for the iceberg. You were rooting for the iceberg. You just yeah. didn't like the hubris of the uh, ship's engineers. I remember that. The more you yeah. drink, the the less you like engineering hubris. Hmm. 
You know, um, uh, one of our uh, wonderful producers, Sam, she sent us some news about uh, the Grand Canyon. You know, we do want this podcast to be, among other things, a clearinghouse for Grand Canyon news. Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm about to talk about? Is it the the beefalo? The beefalo. Also known as? Cattalo. So cattle and buffalo, or buffalo, and I guess beef being cattle. A yeah. dude named Charles Buffalo Jones. Buffalo nickname. Okay, thank you. Yeah. It's in quotes. Yeah. yeah. And he brought, in the early 1900s, he brought a herd of bison to northern Arizona to crossbreed with his cattle. This is like, he's like the Elon Musk of his day. He was a dreamer. <laughs> so, in the depths of the Depression, he abandoned the project. I think the money ran out. Mm-hmm. So, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, he had to abandon it. And uh, he left behind some of the hybrid herd known as either cattalo or beefalo. I think for the purposes of this podcast, can we agree beefalo is the better? Yeah, it is the better. Yeah. So there's about uh, 600 beefalo left. And they're confined to a small space. They do not migrate. The herd is damaging the soil, waters, and flora of Grand Canyon's Kaibab Plateau. I probably said Mm -hmm. that wrong. Apologies. I think that's right. There's been a debate over the years whether the herd is native wildlife or wildlife that was introduced. So in 2014, they were declared native. Since then, things have changed, and now they're no longer considered native, but instead introduced. And I, mm-hmm. think, it's, I think it's fair to say that's something where if, sure. if, uh, if old Buffalo Jones didn't show up, you were not going to have beefalo. Right. So it's a problem. Grand Canyon National Park recently made international news when it advertised a call for volunteers to come shoot bison living on its north rim. This invitation sparked 45,000 applications. 45,000, that's a big number. But I guess I'm not surprised in America that if you said you want to come shoot a bison. Yeah, you want to shoot at something that you really can't miss. Yeah, only 12 people will be selected by lottery. Each winner gets the right to shoot one bison and pack its carcass out of the park. This is a place you want to go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean I don't want to go when the those 12 people are there oh guess what they're not going to tell you when they're scheduled to be there I bet I could find out they're also I believe that peninsula is off the north uh, rim which is somewhere I do want to go but I'll get to the north rim and I'm just going to tuck right into that sweet canyon lickety split and uh, be away from there I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing the beefalo it sounds like there's still going to be a few left I feel like you for Christmas, maybe for my birthday. My birthday is around the Christmas episode. Maybe, you know, because you're writing these hit songs for all our guests every episode. Mm. Would you maybe write me a song about the beefalo to the tune of Van Morrison's Tupelo Honey? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you a maybe on that. Beefalo Money? Maybe about how that dude wanted to make that beefalo money? <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm doing most of the work here. Can I just point out, because you have to write a song every week, you do so much more work on this than I do. And I really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, that's fair. You can point that out. How many times are you completely under the gun when your song is due? I feel like you and I are the same in terms of uh, procrastinating and then sort of getting it together kind of last minute. So I need to get these songs to the producers by the end of day on Friday just to avoid any sort of last-minute stress for the editor to drop it in. So 
having that deadline is good for me. And I haven't missed one. And then we, I was just out of town last week. I went back to see mom and dad. And then I saw you with a bunch of our friends mm-hmm. for our fantasy football draft weekend. Yep. And uh, so I had to write two before I left for that trip. But that was, uh, yeah, that was all right. And then I should note, you also wrote a song for our fantasy football draft. And during COVID, when we were doing a weekly Zoom, you were writing a song a week just for yeah. a group of friends to listen to. Yeah. So, been very giving with your talents, and uh, I, I've been very lucky to be a recipient of your gift. I feel like you're mocking it, but they are 100% gifts. I do them. You have a gift. That's what I Oh, saying. Oh, I say that they are, when I play a song, I, am, I, am, I have given a gift to the group. We have um, our guest today um, is Leslie Jones, who's a wonderful human being. And by the time you hear this, I will have... I'm hosting a book event with her in New York City at a place called the 92nd Street Y, which is mm-hmm. done a lot of events over the years. It's a wonderful place where people go and see conversations uh, between, you know, uh, creative people. And I would say it's a very sort of well-educated sort of upper-class New York audience. And based on our podcast, I just hope they're prepared for how many F-bombs they're about to hear because... They come pretty fast and furiously with Leslie Jones and very authentically. Yeah. No, they really do. Yeah, she doesn't hold back. She doesn't hold she holds, back. She holds back in one spot in this uh, episode <laughs> because she felt like I needed it to be a little lighter. Sudden sort of 40 minutes into a podcast that she does have breaks. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed talking to Leslie Jones. But first, here's a little of our friend Jeff Tweedy. Nah. <laughs> Why not, right? What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> oh boy! Oh shit! We What's are up? gonna have to. We're gonna have to warn our listeners oh, that this man. will be the oh, f bomb oh, episode. God, don't tell me that you don't curse on a podcast. No, we we don't worry. We, oh, we curse. Go. No, I'm very excited because we. <laughs> this is you know we're now talking to an author, Leslie Jones, and just to oh. speak. Just to speak to the amount of cursing you might hear today, uh, Leslie, tell all our listeners the name of your new book. Leslie fucking Jones, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I should know bitch is not in the title. Bitch is she not was, in the title, but I you was were referring. The bitch. If you're listening, yeah. you were the bitch in Leslie fucking Jones, bitch. It's implied. It's implied. It's implied. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, boo. Hi. It's always so crazy when I see you again because it's just like, hey. I know. Well, I will say I feel like I've seen you even more recently than I have seen you because I have been reading your memoir, Leslie. Oh, you read it? I've been reading it. And it's so I mean, the first thing I did, Leslie, and I think you do it too. search for my name. Josh, how many times do you think my name comes up in Leslie Jones's book? Did Uh, I I don't think I said your name at all. Yeah, I'm going to say zero. Twice. I don't think I. I don't it know, did twice. come up twice. Yeah. Is that because oh, you write? Bad is that because you write your name on the inside cover of a book when you get it, so everyone knows it's yours? Oh no, I didn't count when I. I did write Seth on the inside, but I didn't count that one. Wait a minute! I said your name twice. I don't remember those stories. I mean, they're not about me. 
first of all, I'm deeply offended. One was that you were talking to Melissa McCarthy at a party that happened to be for my last show. And then you okay. also quote me. I said once when you were on my show that honesty is your main export. So I made it in that way. No mention of Game of Jones are incredibly popular. I, I mean, I can't I believe you know. wrote a memoir and, and it didn't make I it. I know. I'm, it's so much stuff. So much stuff that I thought about afterwards. I was like, oh, wow. Like, matter of fact, I had I had to go back and add uh, Coming to America and the Cat Williams thing because I was like, oh, shit, I forgot I did that. I know. But I'm sorry. Maybe you need another book called Leslie Remembered Some Other Shit. <laughs> exactly. And, and then plus two, the paperbacks are coming up. And I heard that you can add stuff to the paperback. You can so, add in a paperback. So that's so good I, to know. Feel free to, uh, to write on our time together. I think I might mention Game of Jones in the Audible. Maybe. I don't know. I Probably not. Because I don't remember, Seth. Wait, do you, have you already recorded the Audible book? Yes. Okay. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the dream is listening to somebody whose voice is iconic, read their own memoir. How long did it take? It took me a week and we did three hours a day and I didn't say one word in the book. <laughs> I, literally, <laughs> I literally did not read one word off the pages. I think I might've read two words and then just went into all the stories in each chapter. It's so, so good. Your Audible okay. book will, is more of a companion it's going to be yeah. something else. I'll put it oh, like that's that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I do love listening when, when authors and authors who are writing sort of autobiographical stuff write about their, their selves and then they read it. It's just the best. Like I remember listening to uh, McConaughey's book and it's just, yeah, it's just great. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you're reading, when I was reading the stories, I didn't know that the emotion was going to come with it. So it's a lot of crying. It's a lot of laughing. It's a lot of just a, just a lot of Leslie Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. I got yeah. audible credits to burn. <laughs> burn those credits, baby. <laughs> I'll burn them. Well, first of all, what is this dark fucking um, like Mona Lisa set up shit you got behind you? Good God. I'm in a guest room, and I'm going to tell you a story that I hopefully you guys will enjoy, which is I got in here like 20 minutes early, and I decided to take a nap on the guest room bed, and then my wife walked in and could see there was an indentation. Mm. She said, did you take a nap? You got to pull the corner of the sheet. You got to yeah, pull that blanket. She saw that there was an indentation. What does that mean? That there's she a saw that I was laying in the bed, and she she did not care for the fact that I, instead of spending twenty more minutes being a dad, decided to sneak into a room and and sort of steal a nap. Yeah, but she ain't telling you about the naps that she be stealing. No. <laughs> well, when I see when I come in, there's two indentations, Leslie. I don't yes. think she's just napping. <laughs> Oh, you better hope that's a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Leslie. I uh, obviously we're talking about family trips and there is a a lovely family trip story that I want to start by asking you about in your book about how your dad drove through the night. He liked to He liked to be a night driver. Yeah, he um, I think there was a lot of things I didn't know about my dad. I don't think he could sleep very well. I don't think he slept very well. So I, I like and then plus two, he always had late night jobs. He always had a second job where he was working at night. So he would come in and, and I just started staying up because he was up. So it became it made me become a night person. But whenever we would go on those trips, 
we always left at nighttime. We always left at nighttime because there's nobody on the road. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, and he can speed or either get there faster or whatever. But, oh, my God, those was the best ones because he had the best music. So, you know, we always listened to music together. That was our thing that we, you know, pretty much connected together. And you singing while you're listening to music? Are you singing along? Yeah, sometimes you sing. Sometimes he would sing. It depends on what the song was. It, you know, back in the day, those songs would be like 14 minutes long. And you have some singing. <laughs> but there's a lot, of, a lot of instrumental part, too, you know. <laughs> but we used to always sing. Um, I don't know if you remember this song, uh, Need a Ward, Ring My Bell. You might, you can ring my mm-hmm. bell. You remember that song? Yeah. Okay. So we used to sing it in the back seat and we would fight over who was going to get to go, doo, doo. <laughs> so, so, so my dad would be like, God damn it, y'all stop fighting over there now. And, and pick who gonna, y'all take turns on who going to do, doo, doo. <laughs> so you were not happy uh, sharing uh, the do. No, they always wanted me to do the lead. They always wanted me to go, the night is young. They they always wanted me to do the lead, but I always wanted to be like, doo, you know. It's just... <laughs> but my cousin uh, never argued. My cousin would always be in the middle, and he was like, I'm going to be the train go. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> When someone's like actively claiming triangle, you gotta. That, I got. Yeah, I got appreciation yeah, for yeah. your cousin. So who's in the car? Who's in the car when you're driving? When you're on these trips? When well, it, I mean, when we were younger, it was uh, my mom, my dad, me, and my brother most of the time. But sometimes my grandmother would be with us, and sometimes my cousin Joseph would be All with right. us. All right. You know. And your grandmother was in Memphis, is that correct? Yes, she lived in Memphis. My grandmother was born and raised in Memphis. Yep. And yep. you would drive, so where you're driving to Memphis from where at the time? At North Carolina. We would, wherever we were living at, which was mostly North Carolina because my dad was in the Army. So Fort Bragg, you know, I, had to, I think that's where he had to mostly be. So uh, we would always drive from North Carolina to Memphis and Memphis back, you know. He'd, I don't think I ever flew a plane until I was in college. And did you ever bring your grandmother back with you or did she? Yes. Okay. Yes. We, yeah, we always did. And and I just so funny because that that's when uh, we did the castle uh, hotel room, but uh, I don't know why I never put this in a book. I think we had this in the book. I took it out, but we had a, my dad had this van and my dad was an electronic engineer. Everything was wired up in that van. And he had these big, heavy speakers in the back. Like they were small, but they were, they were like heavy, you know, the metal thing that he hooked mm-hmm. up. And one of them shits fell on my head, man. And <laughs> <laughs> I just remember my dad feeling so bad. He was like, are you okay? Are you? He was so upset about it. But I was just like, you know how you try to act like it doesn't hurt? Like, oh, no, dad, I was okay. I'm okay. I'm actively hurting so fucking bad. Like... I will say a very funny song to have a speaker fall on your head to is You Can Ring My Bell. <laughs> and I think that's what was playing, goddammit. It just hit you and went, boo, 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 boo. I, I do want to talk about, so your dad was the one who loved the Ramada Inns. No, yeah, well, my dad liked the best of everything. And at the time, Ramada Inn was the best of everything. I mean, I come from a time where Ramada Inn was a number one hotel. Okay, now it's shit. 
It's shit now, okay? <laughs> it's shit now. But Ramada Inn used to be like what Marriott is, okay? Ramada Inn used to be Marriott, okay? Gotcha. <laughs> so we were driving and there was a castle. I mean, literally the hotel looked like a castle. So this is and a theme hotel. Yeah. And it was just, it just looked like a castle. And I was like, that we have to stay there. And my dad was like, only if it's a Ramada Inn. And it was a Ramada Inn, baby. And we oh, stayed boy. there. Yep. Great. Do you do you recall how it was different other than was it just sort of a facade of a castle or did yeah, it feel yeah. different? It well to a kid it looked like a fucking castle. They had like the <laughs> the things in the in the you know the sconces and they had the the carpet that looked like a castle carpet. We man, I thought it was castle. I mean, yeah. the, of course now thinking back to it and think about the room I was like, "Oh, that that definitely wasn't a castle. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely, definitely. There's was very not few a castle. castles between uh, Fort Bragg and Memphis. That's it's- not known as the Castle <laughs> Corridor. <laughs> I just remember us running up and down the hallway. Me and my running brother running up and like, down a hotel hallway is the best. When you're a kid, it's like, the best. Yeah, it's like a fucking castle. We're running up and down the hallway. So yeah, my kids have stayed in some pretty fancy places, and they would take a Ramada Inn over all of them, like a today Ramada Inn. Yeah, because because like the Marriotts and all, they got washing machine and dryers. You know, they got uh, Coke machines. Like you know, you got a whole room where there's a snack machine and a Coke machine to a kid. That's like goddamn carnival. <laughs> and my dad would give us a dollar each. We literally, we thought this, we can die now. You know, we can die. Those are obviously, so those are uh, trips to see family. Did you go on vacations where the destination was not family? Yes, we went to, uh, one time I remember we went to California. We went to California to see my mom's side of the family. But while we were there, we went to Universal Studios and uh, damn, I don't know why I didn't put this in the book either. I'm telling you, I, it's not that I didn't forget. It was just the book would have been 1,700 pages long. So Yes, I should note that stories that you put in instead are not boring stories. They're all great stories. So I understand right. why not everything. Right. It's an embarrassment it's so, of riches. An embarrassment <laughs> of riches. <laughs> but we went to, and I remember this because I fainted. I fainted. It was so hot in California. I had, we came to Cali and we went to Universal Studios and I just, all I kept saying to my cousins in them is like what's wrong with you because it's hot it's hot and why don't i why aren't y'all hot it's hot so we went to universal studios and it, they don't have they don't have no roofs it's every the sun is just beaming and and i, I just remember standing there with my mom and i just was like i don't understand these people so i went up to the shade to put my head on the on the counter because it was just so hot and they said i passed out I passed out, and I remember waking up to my brother hitting my head with the wax Frankenstein that we had got. So he was hitting uh-huh. my head with it. And my dad was like, "Stop hitting your head! What's wrong with you?" And, <laughs> and and the park attendant they gave me, and she was like, "Yeah, kids faint all the time." And I remember saying this because my dad grabbed me because I was like, "If kids is fainting, why don't you d- just do something about it?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> my dad was like, stop being rude. She kept trying to give you some cold water. And I was just like, damn. So then after this, I was fine because they gave me water or whatever. Then we went on the Jaws, mm-hmm. the Jaws ride, which this is enough already. This is a fuck enough. So we're riding. I'm thinking, I'm so happy that I'm not getting sick on the boat because I don't like boats. 
So I'm just happy that I'm not getting sick. Then all of a fucking sudden, a goddamn shark attacks the fucking. <laughs> I just look, I look back at my dad and I just go, can we fucking go back to North? What? <laughs> what? What? What sweet hell is this? You were so young that you didn't know that there would be a shark on the Jaws ride? I knew that there was, but I wasn't, it, I wasn't mentally, I was already just like, I want this to be fucking over. We're in this boat. Okay, I'm not sick. And then this motherfucker goes, run! I was like, God! Oh, I was so fucking <laughs> mad. I, was, I just remember looking back at my dad and starting to cry. And he was like, stop crying. And I was like, I just, just, I don't go. I want to go. I have not fucking been to Universal Studios since that goddamn day. And you worked for uh, Universal's parent company for years. I did? Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know nothing <laughs> about that. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, there's a Jaws moment sort of in the studio tour when you're in one of those yeah. buses and you drive by it. And it's so annoying. It's annoying. It annoyed the fuck out of me. I was actually I was shooting something uh, last year in a house um, that was right near the sort of Jaws feature of the tour. And because we were shooting, all the Jaws stuff would happen, but they had to have no sound on it. So the shark would come out and it was silent and there would be like some fire, but it would be dead silent. And it totally, it really ruined that moment for, for everyone yeah. for a week as we were shooting in the house where the original, who was the, the best little whorehouse in Texas? Something like that. Like, oh yeah. We were, you was, was in, that she where you, was in the best little whorehouse in Texas? No, it's that we were shooting, <laughs> we were using the house that they used oh, for that. Cause I was like, um, wow, you are yeah. old. It's funny. <laughs> To think that that was just a title of a movie. Yeah, it's funny that a lot of shit. It's a funny a lot of shit. You know, I was looking at uh, what what the fuck I was looking at the other day. Don Danny Terrio. You remember Dance Fever? Mm-hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I just saw a kid. Is yeah. that a ghost? Is that a ghost set? That or is, is that, uh, a... that is my ne- my nephew. Oh, that's Axel. an actual kid. Okay, because I was like, he's in that scary ass room. <laughs> you have kids. Like, I feel like we should report you or something. Like, I know. Like, you should have been approved first. Like, I know. That, Certainly, a guy they, who can't figure thinking? out how to lock the guest room door shouldn't have his own children. <laughs> I mean, especially one who doesn't know how to clean the indentation in their fucking bed. I mean, Jesus. So that California trip, was there any highlights other than passing out at Universal? Uh, eating all of the pickles. I mean, you know, they had this jar of pickles. That, uh, later, I found out they were Vlasic. It was so good. Mm. And, where, um, wait, where were the pickles eaten? And, and at my cousin's house in California. California. We went there for the Disneyland trip. You went to um, a state with maybe the most theme parks of any in America, and one of your memories is eating pickles at your cousin's house? Because they were really good pickles, homie. Had you never it's had a, plastic it's a dilly of a pickle? No, I, it was, I had pickles before, but these pickles, something special about them, I don't fucking know. They were classic. They were the, I had never mm-hmm. had those. So I was just like, and my aunt was just letting me eat them. So I was just like, this is, this is fucking great. You know, this is fucking yeah. great. But I, I did get to, um, I, I went with my mother to see her mother. She hadn't seen her since she, you know, she abandoned her. I, I was there with her when she did that. But, wow. uh, yeah, which was very weird because I didn't know who she was. And um, she kept telling me that I was named after her and that I was her grandmother. And I was like, you're not my fucking grandmother. My big mama is my grandmother. And that's my, like, I don't know who you are. And she had these white gloves on. And it just seemed like she was scaring the shit out of my mom. And 
I just didn't like her. How old were you during this trip? I think, because uh, I was very young. Yeah, it only gets weirder the younger you are. Yeah, I think it may have been like 10, maybe, maybe nine okay. or 10. I know mm-hmm. I was old enough to know. Your mother decided she needed to do this trip? We was going to just go to California to see her side of the family. I didn't know she even had a side of the family, which is hilarious. You know, as a kid, you only I only knew my father's, you know, the aunts and the uncles and all of them, my cousins. But I didn't know my mom's side. So it was all, always so weird. Like, oh, oh, my, you got a mama and daddy, too. Yeah, I guess we got to go find that out. And I, we didn't meet. I, I think her father had passed away. So we met. We met her sisters. Uh, I met her brother. Um, and then you know we went to visit her mother. We went to go visit her mother with with me. She didn't take my brother, but she took me with her. And uh, I just remember her saying, "Oh yeah, you know, because my first name is Annette." She was like, "You know, you was named after me." And um, she just, I just. I knew whatever was going on, because, you know, I don't find out until later. You know, parents do not tell kids shit. You know, you don't find out until you talk to cousins and all of that shit that um, they had some kind of weird relationship, you know, because my my mother's mother abandoned her and her brother and raised the sisters, but sent her and her, her brother to her aunt in Arkansas. So when I think that might have been the first time that she saw her since that. And uh, I just remember that I didn't like her. She had these white gloves on and she kept, you know, she just was doing things that my mother was, you could totally tell my mother was fucking scared. And I didn't like that this woman was making my mother scared. So I was rude as fuck to her. She had to grab me a couple of times because I was just like, I don't know you. And I don't like, I don't like how you making my mom feel. I, I just remember saying, I don't like how you're doing my mom. Like, yeah. You're being mean to my mother, and she was just uh, she was telling my mother, "Oh, you need to you need to watch that one. You need to watch that." And she, I just remember my mother grabbing me like, "It's okay, and it's okay." It's like, yeah, I don't I don't know who you are, like, but you're not my grandmother, so. And it doesn't seem like you were prepared particularly well to know that your mom was about to be scared by this. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even understand it because my mom wasn't scared of nothing. Yeah. I didn't. My mom. I had never seen my mom scared of shit. So, well, it sounds also like you were a bit of a security blanket for your mother going into that circumstance. Probably, be like, yeah, probably more of like, yeah, this is my daughter, and I had a daughter, and I'm here for her, you yeah. know. And you yeah. know, so you know, my children were the were I loved my children. You know, I think that that's what it was a lot of. So, did you ever see her again? My grandmother? grandmother. Yeah. No, I just remember really? when she died, and my mom cried, and I just remember thinking. Why are you crying? She was so mean. Like, why do you care? I didn't understand death. So I was just like, it's great. Good. She's gone. It's fucking. But my mom was really sad from it. She was very sad. And that was a, a cross-country drive? Yes. That's, that was a car. So, yep. We drove from Memphis to California. Wow. How long does that one take? Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't know when you're a kid. It's like, are we there yet? Right. But it didn't take days because my dad would drive straight through. I do remember, though, that my dad was tired and my mom was like, I'll drive. And he was like, okay, just stay on this. And I think she took us two hours back. Because so- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just remember my dad was like, God damn it, Diane, you went the wrong goddamn way. We didn't went back two hours. My mom was like, I thought it was a shortcut. 
Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Posh, these days too many people have to settle for the next best thing, especially when it comes to choosing a car. Yeah, but at Nissan, there's a vehicle type for everyone, for every driver who wants more. Whether you want more adventure, more electric, more action, more guts, or more turbocharged excitement, Nissan is here to make sure you get it. Because Nissan is all about giving people a whole spectrum of thrills to choose from with a diverse lineup of vehicles. Sports cars to sedans to EVs, pickups, crossovers with Nissan's diverse lineup. Anyone can find something to help them reach their more. What are you looking for more of, Josh? I like a nice ride. I like a nice sound system. I like something that's, yeah, that's comfortable. You like to have room to load up a bunch of gear, go somewhere do an adventure i do i'm never happier than when i have sort of a, a full car a roof rack on my car makes me happy and all i need is a cup holder for an iced coffee and nissan can provide you with both of those things so thanks again to nissan for sponsoring this episode of family trips and for the reminder to find your more learn more at nissanusa.com this episode of family trips is brought to you by mcdonald's hey poshy yeah did you know that one in eight people in the United States have worked at McDonald's? That's a lot of people. That's a ton of people. That's 12.5% of the U.S. population. One in eight Americans have probably experienced the art of throwing McDonald's birthday party, or they know the feeling of the calm before the McDonald's lunch storm. That one in eight people, I, I've worked in some restaurants in my day, never at McDonald's, but I love the camaraderie of working at a restaurant. And I imagine that the camaraderie of a sort of shared experience that one in eight Americans have has got to be pretty great. And there are also a lot of cool things McDonald's does as an employer that people might not know about. McDonald's offers flexible hours and a schedule that works around your life means more time for life. They have the English Under the Arches program, which are classes offered to employees looking to improve their English speaking, listening, reading, and writing skills. Career Online High School, where employees can graduate from high school by taking classes online. And the Archways to Opportunity, which is a program that offers financial support for employees trying to graduate from college. McDonald's is now serving much more than orders. How were your parents in the car together? Oh, my mom slept most of the time. My dad yeah. was just, my dad was always just listening to music. We, it, we were the problem. <laughs> me and my brother uh-huh. were the fucking problem. <laughs> so it was just more of trying to keep me and my brother from killing each other and just, you know, keep us from not being bored. You know what I'm saying? We, we were the problem. How did they try to um, keep you interested and not bored? Books, a lot of puzzle books. I used to, I, I didn't know, of, see, I think my mom got me a diary after she discovered this, but we had these books and, you know, like highlights and stuff like that. But yeah, I would yeah, yeah. write, I would write in these books. I think my aunt kept a couple of them, but I would write in these books like they were a diary. And, mm. um, and I think my mom bought me a diary after that because I just, I, you know, I had just started learning how to write. But I also cut my ponytails off one one road trip. We, I would cut it. You know, there used to be this like doll where you can cut the clothes out and then you pin it on the doll. So I had those scissors and I just was like, clip, clip. Ooh. yeah, I got my ass whooped. Yeah. yeah oh no, I got my ass. That. Oh no, I got my ass whooped. That was that was an <laughs> ass whooping right there. She pulled over and whooped my ass. She was like, "Have you lost your motherfucking mind?" She pulled over, and then she got back on the road going in the wrong direction. <laughs> no, she wasn't driving. My dad just took a break and smoked a cigarette <laughs> while I got my ass whooped. <laughs> now, do you think you – did you keep those ponytails? Do you still have those somewhere? I, I think she had to keep them because she was so fucking mad she didn't know what to do with them. I have a picture 
of of when I cut them off too. I look fucking crazy. It's so funny. Oh my god. It's so I have a funny. I have a ponytail that I cut off and it's in my sock drawer at my parents' house. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, for real. Ew. But here's the thing, Leslie. Josh had a way nicer bedroom than me for some reason, and I've gone back and visited and I'll sleep in Josh's room, mostly because my parents also turned my old bedroom into a home office. And so wow. I go into Josh's room, and one time I needed a pair of socks, and I open it up. And let me tell you, when you see a old ponytail, you feel like you're in a serial killer's house. Just like a trophy. Did it make you throw up? Like, it, wait, it was wait a minute, pretty. First of all, who's the oldest? Seth. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you were the kid that was just supposed to take it. So yeah, Josh was definitely going to have the better room. Josh, and also Josh um, had a better capacity to be impossible. Like Josh was stubborn. Like I feel like we were probably both pretty scared of my dad, but the way I was scared of my dad is I would do what he said and the way Josh would be scared of the dad. No, the second kid always was the fucking diff. Are you kidding me? The older kid, the older kid, we got the, we got the overprotection, but we were the trial. Like we were the, yeah. The the like they tried everything out on us. Like so, we are soldiers. Like we're capable of being hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're capable of of fucking like not crying and shit. Like we <laughs> we have impossible skills. The second kid ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will try to take no uh, disrespect from that. <laughs> it's a very nuanced uh, take, Josh. I think yeah, it is. It's, 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 yeah, it's subtle. Kid, the second kid be fucked. Fuck the second kid. Second kid gets all of the all of the freedom like a motherfucker. Like we we did this with the first one. We'll they just get tired with the second kid. They just get tired. Well, Seth's second kid is the one that just walked into this podcast. Yeah, so. true. There's no yeah, respect. Yeah. See, that's why he did though. But that's why he did because yeah. see, the first kid would know not to do that. I will say, my bedroom. I used to share a wall with our parents. Ew. And oh, when God. I became a teenager, no. I moved, I took over what was like the guest room and the room next to them became the guest room. And so my room now, it sort of was the guest room. It's not really, it's, yes, it's my room, I suppose, but like the walls are peach and it's very like, like there's like a, an, an upholstered chair at the desk and none of like my kid stuff really is on the wall. I guess some. But your room, Seth, is sort of preserved, I would say. It is say. true. My room yeah, but is. The, but the privilege of that whole statement that you just did is so second child. So, so I had one room, but then I decided that I wanted to be another part of the house. So I moved <laughs> and they used my... Ew. The day I found out he was moving, I remember my reaction being, I didn't know we could move rooms. Exactly, because I would have kicked your ass and took your room, <laughs> right? Yeah, he, he had a great room. You, yeah, his, yeah, his right. room was great. Yeah, he, he had, had a great, yeah, did he, did he? Also, our parents started, uh, because the dogs would want to go in and out of the bedroom, so they've started sleeping with the door open. So you would have to walk by and, like, you... We'll hear my father snoring, and then my mom like lays there like the dead. And I didn't want to have to walk by that anymore, so now I don't have to to get to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, but you you saying it like it's a choice, like you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to see my parents, so I decided on my own 
that I was going to relocate. If I said that as a first kid, they'd be like, you move out that fucking room if you think you want. I swear to God, your motherfucking ass will be sleeping in the backyard. <laughs> did your uh, did your mom and dad get to see you do a stand-up? No, my mom had a stroke when I was in like the first year of my college and was bedridden till she passed. But my dad got to see me on BET. He got to see me on BET perform once uh, before he passed. Did your dad have uh, uh, an appreciation for comedy? Was he someone who? Oh, my dad, my dad. Which is so funny how when I told him I wanted to be a comic and he was like, what the fuck? Who the fuck told you you was funny? Like all the all of the albums literally that he would listen to were a lot of, like he had a whole row of comedy albums. He had all the Richard Pryor albums. He had all the Red Fox albums, Millie Jackson, Mom's Maybelline. I can't think of this. You remember Here Come the Judge? Here Come the Judge. Mm. Everybody cracker. Here Come the Judge. Uh, Sweet Foot, Sweet Foot or some, something like that. But he used to listen to that every fucking night and like anytime anybody was doing comedy we watched it like i was introduced to richard pryor through my dad it's like just because he was watching him and i well he was listening to him and he was dying and i was like damn what is and i would sneak and listen to those albums and the first time i remember hearing richard pryor i was like this guy fucking knows my life how does he know about switches and all of that shit and it's just it just was very intriguing so yeah, my dad was, he was a DJ too. So he had all of those albums. Like we we watched all of that shit. Like we watched Lawrence Welk. My dad would make us watch Lawrence Welk. Like he thought Lawrence Welk was a G. He was like, <laughs> the, just the way he ran that fucking show. My dad literally <laughs> just, he, we watched so much stuff. So when I became a comic I, and told him I wanted to be a comedian, I was so, I thought he would be happy. He was like, you must be at your fucking mind. Like, who told you you was funny? You've never made me laugh ever. And I was like, I, I, and, and thinking in my head, I was like, I, when we finally had to talk later when I became a comedian or whatever established, I was like, I used to make you laugh all the time. He was like, yeah, but you, I'm not going to tell somebody that I want to be in college that's on a full scholarship. Yeah, give up your fucking scholarship and become a clown. Like, no, you know, I was worried about you. So, you know. You started playing sports late, right? No, I, I started playing sports in the sixth grade. I was just, when I hunkered down to basketball was like the seventh grade. Okay, gotcha. And so was that, you were a full ride for basketball? Well, I, yeah, when I went to, you know, high school and stuff, I got a scholarship. And it started off as a partial. I had a partial scholarship to Chapman College. And then I got a full scholarship to Colorado State. All right. Gotcha. And did your parents ever visit you? Well, I guess your mom, uh, you know, so she's uh, has a stroke when you're a freshman. Yeah, no, but she got to see me on campus, though. She, she oh, used good. to come. She used to actually sneak up and clean my room, which was very frustrating. Very frustrating. But sneak up from California? Well, you know, Chapman, Orange County is like an hour from Linwood, so... Okay. She would just jump in the car. And I then, see. I got you. And come up on campus and go mm, in and clean my like fucking room. That some first child kind of treatment right there. <laughs> yeah, you right. know what? You know, you, can, you know what, Josh? <laughs> hey, Josh, you can, uh-huh. you can take a long walk on a short pier. Okay. <laughs> and I said that in a white way, and I ain't say what I was really thinking, which was go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I the last thing. I expected in response to that was a long walk up a short pier. 
I reckon that's the first time you've said that. Oh, you reckon? Mm. That's, no, yeah, I reckon. It, you know, no. <laughs> hey, we're allowed. If we're allowed to start talking a way we don't usually talk, then I reckon. No, exactly, exactly. Like I like to tell flat earthers, like go take a long walk on a short earth. <laughs> walk the fuck off of the side, you idiot. But um, yeah. Yeah, my my mom would my mom got to see me in college. My dad would come to my basketball games. He would sit way up high in the bleachers and shit, and, and he'd come to all my games. Was he a good sports dad? Was he the kind that would cheer for you no matter what? No, he just he just was dad. He he always gave me you know pointers and stuff about basketball. But I I, I think my dad really was a more of like find your own way type shit. I'm, and I'm a girl playing basketball. I I don't think that he knew I was that good until I got a scholarship. I, and he might've knew, but didn't know. So when I got a scholarship, it's like, Oh, it's a big deal. She's playing college ball. So he would come and see my games, but he wasn't like the type that's like, he, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He just sat up there and watched me. And how long did you play uh, once you got to Colorado state before you? Oh, I, I was red shirt. At, at uh-huh. Colorado State. So when I went to Colorado State, uh, which was in 87, yeah, it was in 87, and uh, I was redshirting, so I didn't get to play at all. And then I became a comedian. And then I, you know, went off to become a comedian. Wow. I left college. Yep. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Josh, were you aware that Fresh Ball Fall is upon us? Oh, yeah. You did know. Yeah, you can just, it's getting a little cooler out there. Well, for those who don't know, Fresh Ball Fall is a reminder to make sure your balls look nice with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. You know, nature may clear the leaves of the trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather. So get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code TRIPS for 20% off plus free shipping. We want to make it clear, this is not just targeted to our male listeners. This is for female listeners who might want to buy a gift as a subtle hint to the man in their lives as to the sort of trimming that you think is necessary. Gardening, if you will, of that special area. Maybe you're getting tickled by your man's short and curlies. You, of course, know I famously proposed by trimming (laughs) the words... Will you marry me into what at the time was just a hedgerow? Yeah. We have a friend that we were just uh, hanging out with, and we mentioned that we might be doing an ad for Manscaped. And I don't know if we're allowed to say this on the podcast, but he said, I fucking love Manscaped. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, guys fucking love Manscaped. You guys bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with the code TRIPS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code TRIPS as the leaves fall. Make sure you have it all with Manscaped. I like it when it rhymes. Yeah, you do. It was not an overnight success, which I know from when you... Absolutely not. (laughs) So you leave in 88, basically. No, I left 87. I I came home. Okay, so 87 you start to to do comedy. And then I guess uh, you get hired in SNL in 2014. Exactly. <laughs> so an overnight success. <laughs> overnight. <laughs> but those these are these are work trips. These aren't family trips. But you, I mean, you put some miles on this country going to do clubs. Oh my God. It's so funny when you hear Mike Tyson talk about how many fights that he had to fight before he got his real first real fight. It's the same thing with comedy. I can't even I used to think that I would be able to count my gigs. 
man, after 500, I just stopped counting because you, you, at this point now, I'm performing everywhere. I'm performing at little dives. I'm performing at cafes. I'm performing at, I performed in a, house, a, a hair salon once. I mean, you're doing all these crazy gigs. You stop counting after a while. You know, it just becomes, you know, that. So, yeah, I have burnt, I have burnt this motherfucker. I remember that I used to have the travel miles of a goddess. Oh, and I had every, I had everyone, um, American West, Southwest. I had all of the cards. I put that motherfucker out, put my miles on that shit. <laughs> I, I stopped fucking with Delta for, for three years because I had got 97,000 fucking miles on Delta, right? But for some reason, I was flying America West. It was short things, and I wasn't using Delta. And them motherfuckers said, if you don't book a flight, we're going to take your points. And I got on the phone with that bitch, and I said, let me explain something to you, bitch. <laughs> I pay for those flights. I earn those points. You can't just take my motherfucking points. They mines. They fucking mines. And that bitch took my points. Yo. <laughs> 97,000 fucking points, Delta. I never forgave him. I never forgave Delta. I want to say something, Leslie. I feel like almost all your stories are about you telling somebody, <laughs> you fucking listen to me right now. And I feel like half of them break your way and the other half go exactly the opposite. But at least you say your piece. You say your piece. Exactly. What I'm trying to tell you, you have to understand that a closed mouth don't get fed, and I am that bitch. I will ask. I will ask. No, I mean, only thing you can do is say no. That's all you can do. You can't come whoop my ass. You can't do none of that. Only thing you can do is say no, Leslie. That is not possible. Well, actually, in this case, they said no, and they took your miles away. So and there was something else they could do. I told you. I said, let me tell you something, Delta. You'll never get another goddamn penny from me. And Delta didn't give a fuck. You've flown Delta. You've flown Delta since. I I had to, yeah. 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 It's a nice airplane. But I don't like them. I don't like, you know why? Because they fly in a spiral. When they take off, they spiral. When they take off, they do like this. So I get really sick. Now, America just goes up to the left. (laughs) I do not believe you that different airlines take off different ways. I promise to God, I promise to God, I had to research this because I was getting so sick. When the, on the takeoff, and and I was just like, why? And I got a pilot in the fucking airport once, and I, I I said, dude, why am I always sick when it takes off? He said, oh, well, what you don't understand is that the airlines are, are different parts of the airport, so they do have to do a different thing to get into the air so they won't run into each other. Delta happens to use a spiro. They do use a spiral okay. to go into the air. If you If you're on a Delta flight, look at how many times they turn. When they take off. I really, then, I'm so upset that our viewers can't see what you're doing. The whole, every time <laughs> Leslie says spiral, she makes a spiral shape because she thinks I don't know what a fucking spiral is. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a tornado kind of thing. But, but you didn't know less. what zigzag was. You said some serpentine <laughs> shit. I was like, oh, that's serpentine. zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my gosh. And, and Amer- American takes off and goes to the left. All right. Is this out of at a particular airport or is this everywhere? No, it's uh, air, every airport. They have right. a different flying pattern. Right. So Leslie, yeah. when you when you first start making money and you start to go on the vacations you want to go on, where were the places that you first started uh, spending money on vacation? Oh, the first place I, I was with Seth Lee and them. I, the first or uh, real trip I ever. Well, you know, I had already been out of the country. You know, Amsterdam yeah. and all that stuff. You know, but for work. 
But when I went on my first vacation, it was to Italy. And I went with Aaron Dahl and, and Cecily, Cecily Strong. Um, and it was fucking hilariously fun. It was so fucking fun. Um, and then we went to Cabo. I think we went to Cabo. And then I went to Cabo with my friends. I think that's about the only vacation. Did I take another vacation? I'm pretty sure I did. I just don't remember. Jamaica! So you- we went to Jamaica. Oh, Jamaica was so fun. Is Jamaica the best? That's on our list. Jamaica is the bomb. And make sure that you have mangoes. Oh, my God. You will never eat a mango in USA again if you have a mango in Jamaica. The best thing ever. Did Lauren tell you to go to Jamaica? Because Lauren has always oh, told Lauren, me to go to Jamaica. Let me tell you something. Lauren got so many bitches everywhere. Now, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren got bitches in France. He's always telling me to go to France. I was like, what you be doing up in France? And then he's always in Jamaica. I was like, what you be doing? You know, you got you a couple of bitches here now. <laughs> Can I tell you, did this ever happen to you? And I know that um, you had a very unique relationship uh, with Lauren. Yes. It was special. Part of it, and tell me if you think it's true. I think Lauren knew you were almost immediately an adult in the room. I think he had a lot yeah. of respect for the years you'd put in doing this. Because a lot of times, you know, he hires people who are very green. And young. And he has to put some space between him and those people because he can't be their friend right away. He felt like he, you guys had a nice understanding early on. But I don't know if this ever happened. Lauren, I remember like my second year on the show, he said, you know, I think we should go to St. Bart's. You know, go for a couple of weeks. You get a house, you relax. The thing I want to say is, oh, you have no idea how little you pay us. You have no idea. <laughs> if you think I can go to St. Bart's and get a house. I can't even afford a flight. No, he told me. He told me. He was like, Leslie, you make sure that you get a nice place to live here in New York so you can feel really good about what you're doing when you go to work. You know that you come home. It's nice. It's nice. You know why you work so hard, Leslie. <laughs> Seth's first summer after SNL, he slept on my couch in L.A. True story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In an exceptionally shitty house. I went yeah. and See, slept I, on my brother's couch. I just was like happy I was paying my bills. I paid off my student loan. That was vacation to me. The day that I got my that letter that said you are officially paid up in student loans, I was like, motherfucker, Bart's. I like, are you kidding me? I don't owe the government anymore. So, I mean, I lived in Harlem for four years <laughs> that I was at SNL and didn't move into a good apartment until the last two years that I was at SNL. The, uh, you mentioned it in your book, and I, I don't know if that was as exciting for you as it was uh, for me when they, because I was in LA when I got the job, when they tell you they're giving you uh, money to relocate. Oh my God. It's fucking Kenward. It, yeah. Ken, it's Kenward the, you said. can't believe it, you know, because we, you know, when you're a comedian, when you're an actor, you've Not never had a job money. where you get money to relocate. And so. Not that much money. I think that is still the most excited I've ever been about uh, a financial well, number. I, I, well, again, Seth, I had had money before because uh, I had been on tour. So it's not right. like I had never seen big amounts of money. But yes, when he said relocate, I was like, relocate? Motherfucker, that's, I didn't have no money. And Cameron was like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you $9,500 to relocate. And literally my first question was, why not ten? It's just five. <laughs> it's just fucking five hundred dollars. It's give me very 10K. hard to like, satisfy you, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> just give me ten k. Why the fuck would you give me nine to five? This that's, is that's a so- perfect example of Leslie Jones's life. She thinks it's <laughs> zero. You tell her it's ninety five hundred, and like, she does. Her, she's like, just make no, it. No, but I'm just like, 
I, I was happy. I was look, I was happy, but I was like, deposit at ninety five hundred is like they're gonna be like, what's why didn't they just give you ten k? I asked what them, and I'm gonna be like, I asked them, I asked them, but I was happy to have a ninety five because I spent, I think I spent three thousand total to move. Yeah, from L A to because I. <laughs> Neil Brennan gave me a job and I made him fly me first class so I can pack all my bags and bring <laughs> all of my bags. <laughs> so, what job did Neil Brennan give you? There was you some sketch, some sketch he wanted me to do in LA and I was in New York and I was like, you fly me, you fly me first class, I'll do it for free so I can, you know, get my bags back. So I was able to get like four bags and filled <laughs> with clothes on the plane. And that day they said, hey, uh, we need you to know Delta can't do our normal spiral takeoff because we have so much luggage. I didn't fly Delta, goddammit. How about flew something way cheaper? But I mean, at that point, what's the first class? Exactly. You know, what's, what's first class on Frontier? I think that's the first time that I, I had first class. No, it was America. That's the first time I got introduced to first class. I was like, oh, I'm not going back. Yeah. I think I've, I got flown business class when I flew out to audition. And that was thrilling the first time i flew on a private jet was with cat williams and oh, i'm gonna tell you that shit was crazy and then when he called you called me to the back to smoke a joint and i was like first of all i do not feel good about smoking weed on the plane it just doesn't feel right but okay you know and and it was just like we on a private plane that bitch bringing us food like she bringing us food man like you know it's just, that shit was cool i was like at any time i could be like hey can you give me some tea and she was like, and she'd be like, do you want sugars, honey? You know, it was fucking dope. You could sleep anywhere. Did Cat have his own uh, plane or did he charter? I think he chartered. I think he okay. chartered. I think uh, Live Nation chartered for him. Oh, great. Um, so it was it was a couple of gigs that that we would have to fly. I mean, I would I would guess private plane with Cat Williams. It's hard to imagine anything being. More oh my fun god, than it's that. so fun, so fun, and just because everybody's doing their own thing on a private plane, everybody's doing their own thing. That's just like a first class big. It's just, but the gangster thing that happened to me was when me and Kate did Ghostbusters, and you remember, I think it was Julia Dreyfus was going to be the guest that week, and we had to go do some kind of crazy thing in Vegas, and Lauren was like. Y'all need to be back for the table read. So we were like, we were in Lawrence's office like, what the fuck? How the fuck? We, I, I, why are we going to do that? And he was like, I'm on the phone right now. They're going to put they're going to put you on a jet. And me and me and Kate was like, oh, OK. Oh, <laughs> we'll be <Okay."> there. <laughs> I was like, OK, daddy. <laughs> now that. OK, so here's the thing. I have a question. So you finished shooting your thing in Vegas, and now it's you and Kate, just you and Kate on the private plane? No, it's me, Kate, uh, my hairdresser, Melissa, her people. It was, a, it was a couple of people on it. I would imagine it's the bummer, right? You get on it, you're going to work. What you should do is go to bed right away. But it's such a, isn't that a, it doesn't that feel like such a waste of a, of a private plane to just sleep? No, that's just like your own bunk bed in the sky. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Like where else would you? What else you would you just want to sit up and fly? Just because I definitely want to sleep on a private plane. Hell yeah! Right. I mean, I mean, at that point, and Seth, maybe I was being a little cocky, but I was like, this ain't gonna be the last time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <It> was, <laughs> it was a little bit like when you're like, I'm never gonna fly Delta again. And yeah, it's like, yeah, plane. I'm never gonna like. Come on, motherfucker, this it, you know. But yeah, me and Lauren, me and Lauren had a very special relationship. I could because. I think it was because I was very honest with him. 
I just was yes. never that person that was like, like, cause you know, Lauren has that thing where, you know, he walks in the building and people run and shit. And I used to notice that I, I used to say to him like, God, that's got to be very lonely that motherfuckers are so scared of you. And I was like, do you like people that are scared of you or do you like people that love you? And he said, I like the fear that turns into love. And I was like, that is the most gangster shit I have ever heard from anyone. And I'm using that. And um, I just would text him and just, just, you know, treat him like a baby daddy. (laughs) He loved it. He loved it. (laughs) It's a very good observation. I think everybody, because he makes this life-changing choice for people of putting them on the show. And so everybody reacts around Joe uh, or treats Lauren like they're, they have everything to lose. And I felt like you never walked around like you had. Well, because, because that's, I don't have everything to fucking lose. Like this is, and it, plus two, Lauren is a Scorpio. He doesn't suffer fools. You know what right. I'm saying? Like he don't have time for that shit. So a lot of times that people that would get ignored by him was people that was coming to him with fuck shit. I could see it on his face. Like, He's turned. He, he, you could totally turn when you when we're at the table. You know, good. You know when Lauren is not interested in a fucking sketch. You just know. You oh just yeah. Fucking know. He just you. He, you could see the light go off. Like <laughs> you could just see the attention go to another place. Like he just doesn't suffer fools, and it's just you know. I, he, I, to me, I, he was so normal but so complicated at the same time. Like. I used to get so mad at him, but then I couldn't get mad at him because I loved him so much. I have like a love for him in my heart. It just, it's just, not, you know, it's just like the most complicated relationship I've ever had with anyone. You're not alone. I feel like a lot yeah. of people's most complicated Good. relationship might be with one. <laughs> but I love him though to death. I love him too. It's crazy. Do we want to drop some questions on on Leslie, Josh? Yeah, please. Yes. Um, all right, Leslie, some questions. quick questions here. <laughs> Um, vacation questions. You can okay. only pick one. Is your ideal vacation, is it relaxing, adventurous, or educational? Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> why? It's just, you know, why do people go on vacation for education? I don't get that. No, I want to sleep in. I want to order room service. I want to sit out on the balcony. I'm a relaxer, relaxer, relaxer. Yeah. Well, do not yeah. wake me up to go on some adventure shit. I'm a whoop your fucking ass. I did it once. I did the zip line shit. And let me tell you something. That's where I found out that I don't have to do that type of shit because my life is a zip line. I swear to God, I was sitting there and we there's about to cut the rope for me to do that little Tarzan thing. And I was like, I don't need this. I don't, this, I, my life is this. I don't need this Tarzan shit. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know what happened to Josh on a zip line? I got dropped out of a zip line. And broke my leg and my back and my jaw. But good news, <laughs> he was in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was we bad. We were in Mexico, too. Was it the same zip? Oh, my God. I would have sued the fuck out of them. Well, I asked. I didn't, I, I didn't have, like, a lawyer lawyer. But I asked my entertainment lawyer. And he was like, well, let me look into it. And he said, best case scenario, you will own a zipline course in Mexico and wait for someone <laughs> to sue you and take it from you. Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you, Leslie. I don't want to be on a zip line ever in my life anywhere. Ever. And and then look, and then like when I did the thing, I was like, okay, you guys, I don't want to do the rest of the course. Just take me back. And they was like, well, you got a zip line to that side. That's the only way to get down. And I looked at him, I said, why, Pedro? Why? 
Were you between Ixtapa and Zehuatanejo by chance? What? Motherfucker, did you just say? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is in Mexico. This is... No, I was at Baja. Uh, whatever okay, that okay. is. Cabo, whatever. All right. All right. The see, see, you, well, this is why white people... That's why we don't like y'all. We, okay. This, those are Mexican because, names. No, but you, like, don't nobody know that shit. <laughs> we know about Cabo and Cancun. Can I tell you a true story about uh, Leslie, one of my favorites? When Leslie... Because <laughs> people forget Leslie started as a writer on the show. And uh, and it didn't take long for the situation to be rectified and realize that Leslie as a performer was her uh, best value. And um, someone wrote a sketch for Drake that was uh, based on the Glass Menagerie. And we were I'm rewriting so it. Do you oh, know this? I'm so bad. Oh, I'm so we're writing bad. this, rewriting this Glass <laughs> Menagerie sketch. And Leslie's like, can I just say something? This sketch isn't going to fucking work because nobody knows what the fuck anybody's talking about. And someone was like, the writer was like, well, it's based on this play. And you were like, nobody knows that fucking play. This is going to bomb so hard. And I, as the head writer, I was like, Leslie, we're actually just looking. You know, we're trying to find you. And then, um, and then it went up at dress and it bombed so fucking hard. Because was- what the fuck is a glass menagerie? <laughs> and, then, and then what pissed me off is when you explained to me what it was, I was like, that's even fucking worse. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> so her, she got a club foot or some shit and that this guy is being nice and he's dancing with her because she has a club foot. This is fucking sad. And, and <sighs> to be called the glass menagerie, I was like, y'all white people, I, this is when I was like, I'm dealing with some white motherfuckers, man. This is really white. It certainly really. made it all the worse that it had been written for Drake. Drake, he was so, Drake's so sweet. I'm just going to gun hold, do it. it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I was just like, motherfucker, if you start rapping, maybe if you would have wrote a glass menagerie rap, that shit probably would have saved it. <laughs> Cecily was great. Cecily was yeah. great in the sketch. She was he actually really great, hard. but there was no saving that shit. You called it. All right. Crush I mean, I called a lot right. of shit. I called a lot of shit, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> you called Delta and they took your miles away. Motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to Delta, you owe me 94,000 points. What's your favorite means of transportation? Trains, planes, automobiles, boats? I like bike? to drive. I like, like to drive. To drive. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like to drive. I like to drive. And if I had to, then I guess plane because it's quick. Yeah. But I don't like flying at all okay okay if you could take a vacation with any family other than your own family what uh family would you like to go on a vacation with they could be fictional they could be historical they could be current day oh but like fred sanford oh my god how fun would that fucking be yeah sanford and son sanford and son and then the dude archie bunker together Oh my god! <laughs> Great fireworks! Oh my god! That would be the best trip ever. Done. Oh, We're gonna oh make it god. work. We're gonna make it work. <laughs> if you could be stranded on a desert island with one member of your family, who would that oh, be? Oh, Jesus wept. Uh, I guess it would be my aunt Pat because I love my aunt Pat and she can cook. All right. And and I can I can stand my aunt Pat. We probably argue yeah. a lot about church and stuff, but it's cool. All right. And you said North Carolina is that where you were? That's where you mostly grew up. Uh, North Carolina, Memphis is where I'm from. Oh, Memphis. All right. Uh, would you recommend Memphis as a vacation destination? I mean, Bill Street, just stay on Bill Street. They stay uh-huh. on Bill Street, go to Elvis Mansion, that type uh-huh. of stuff, get some barbecue, but yeah. just try to, you know, try to stay away from the hoods, okay. you know? Yeah. I went to Nashville, though. I went to Nashville. Nashville's off the chain. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so sorry, Memphis. I went to a yeah. wedding in Nashville a couple of years ago. It was great. 
really fun. Yeah, Nashville is off the chain. Um, and Seth has our last question. My question for you is, have you been to the Grand Canyon? Yes. We, we fly over it all the time, Seth. I mean, No, I know you just flew a, over it. I'm not it's counting. It's a big hole in the it. ground. Have you that, gone? That there? should count. That should count, though. That should count. Because everybody <laughs> Sorry, you're said saying, they haven't seen. You're saying you've the, been to the no, Grand Canyon. Everybody's saying that they don't see the Grand Canyon. But if you flew over, you have seen it. So I don't know if I've actually been there. Maybe I haven't. Just don't remember. I think I did. I think I did when I drove to California. When I drove to New York. Based on what California. you saw from the window of your airplane, would you want to go uh, no. more? Okay. No. It's a big hole Thank in you. the ground. Thank you. And I don't understand. Have you you could see that anywhere. You could go to California, you can go to North Hollywood and literally see the same mountains that you would see in the Grand Canyon. It's just a big hole. That's gonna get filled with water. So just know that we're all gonna die. All right. Well, that's a very nice way to end this. Um, uh, uh, Leslie uh, fucking Jones is the title of the book. It's also yes. the name of one of my dearest friends. What a joy to spend time with you, as always. And I can't wait to read the paperback, which I guess is probably going to have a few more mentions of me. I can't wait to things. listen to the, uh, the Audible version. Yeah, I know. I want to read along with the book. And it's see not how different. gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. You're gonna be like, you're literally gonna put the book down and go, you're not needed here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, congrats on the book. We love you, Leslie. Thank you, oh, Leslie. Thank you. I love you too, babe. This was so fun. I always like talking y'all crazy, so it's always a good interview. Bye, cuties. Bye, Leslie. <laughs> there is a castle, Ramada. A magical place where you can stay Delta won't take your points away Not at the Castle Ramada There is an awesome ice machine So you will never get too hot there is no fear of passing out Not at the Castle Ramada There were two different vending machines One with candy, one with drinks The longest hallways where children roamed And one said, bitch, I'm Leslie fucking Jones Jars full of pickles as a snack Your ponytails would grow right back You'd never find the slightest flaw Not at the Castle Ramadan